Better Than Health podcast, a plant-dominant podcast and resource for those looking to expand and elevate their health. Every Thursday, you can expect provocative and engaging topics, entertaining interviews, and some of the biggest names in health and wellness. Be prepared for tangible tips and takeaways, and to fully understand what it means to live an optimized and energized life. Women will say, well, why can't I lose any weight? It's because there's toxins in your fat that are preventing you from losing any weight. you got to get rid of the toxins and then focus on the weight. Hello, hello. Now, let me ask you a question. Before we get into today's episode, which of course you're going to absolutely love, how many times have you been around someone, or maybe it's you, no shame there, how many times have you been around someone and they have let it rip and it is room clearing? It is middle of the dance floor goes empty. It is can't be around this person. You can almost feel it, taste it, see it. Not comfortable. We find out in today's episode that this is actually not normal. (laughs) We may think that it's a joke, but at the end of the day, that could be a huge sign and tell all for our body holding on to really dangerous toxins. So we've heard all throughout the past few years, detox, detox, detox. And right off the bat, I want to debunk the fact that everything you do is a detox. Yes, some things that you do can be supporting your liver. It can be supporting um, regular bathroom situations. But at the end of the day, a true detox is going to pull things physically from you and help eliminate them from your body so that you can live a longer, fuller life and avoid things like chronic illnesses, avoid things like cancers, Alzheimer's. And we truly tap into all of those subjects today. So today's guest is Wendy Truvo. Wendy is a board-certified American Board of Obstetricians and Gynecology. I'm so sorry for butchering that. Um, She did her residency, her medical residency at Tufts University, and she is now serving as the president of the National Celiac Association. A lot of people know about celiac. We also know about gluten intolerance. We go all over the place with that today. We go over what's the difference and how do you know if you may have a gluten intolerance and all of this good stuff. So she basically is the guru when it comes to detoxifying the body. She found out that she had celiac disease. We go into how it played a genetic role in her upbringing. She dealt with it for so many years, dealt with so much pain. And at the end of the day, she realized that she had so many toxins built up in her body. And what I find really, really interesting about her story is that it sounds like things that we hear all the time, whether it is a woman whose hair is getting thin, whether it is rashes or chronic fatigue, things that we typically, we experience kind of on a day-to-day level. However, Wendy really does a great job of letting us know when it's time for concern or is it something that might just be normal or symptomatic of something else. She helps us understand when it's super important to look for toxins in your body. She tells us how to do so. She tells us about testing. She then opened Five Journeys, which is a membership-based wellness organization, and it is amazing. It incorporates functional medicine. They have a unique approach, and it's based on principles like physical, chemical, emotional, social, and spiritual. So they create comprehensive plans for vitality and wellness. So she has really taken her story and her struggle and her journey to 
create this amazing business and help other people who are struggling, right? So if you've dealt with celiac, if you have dealt with a gluten intolerance, if you have dealt with incredibly stinky farts and bowel movements, if you are dealing with thinning hair, if you notice that you grew up around a lot of cleaning products, or if you're using a ton of cleaning products in your home, truly, this is the episode for you. I think that we're all going to get something out of this, men, women, children, anyone. All right. So I think you guys are absolutely going to love hearing from Wendy. She is so vibrant and so full of knowledge. You should also know that Wendy just wrote a book called Dirty Girl. It is on Amazon. You can check it out there. She also is going to be giving away a copy of this book if you're interested in detox and the entire process of it. She makes it very relatable, very digestible. I cannot wait to dive into this, but we are doing a giveaway. So if you leave a review or uh, five stars and a review on iTunes, we'll send you over a copy of this book. So if you or anyone that you're inter- or that you know, especially over the holidays, are interested in a healthy lifestyle and a holistic approach, highly recommend entering this giveaway. Anyone who leaves a review and screenshots it and sends it to me on Instagram at hotter than health podcast is going to receive a copy of her new book. So can't wait for that. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to dive into the book, but without further ado, let's bring on our amazing guest of the day, Wendy Trubo. Do you want me to, do you want to start formally? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All I've already done the intro and everything, but I, okay. I felt like you were getting on to something. So I wanted to record. I'm getting on to something. Definitely. <laughs> okay. Great. <laughs> So when I was 24, I was working at Tufts Health Plan, applying to med school, and I was in the corporate area and I had the worst gas. Like I actually just thought people had a better cork. I had the worst gas and I was, it was embarrassing. I was like, how do I work with this? And this is before I was diagnosed with celiac. So I knew in my twenties, something wasn't right, but this was so many years ago and nobody was talking about it. So it really wasn't a question anyone asked in your PCP visit. And it wasn't something that I discussed with my friends. I legit just thought people had a better cork and then sort of fast forward through med school and it got more and more irritable and fast forward through residency when I was sick as a dog. And then I saw my husband's mentor when I was 35. It took more than 10 years to get a diagnosis, partly because I didn't complain but I could barely get out of bed when I went to see him. And I had hair loss. I had brain fog. I had skin stuff. My thyroid was off. I had heart palpitations, bloating, gas, diarrhea, constipation, all on the same day. You name it. I had bad periods. Now I made up for it, but I had trouble getting pregnant. You would not know it now because we have four kids. Um, And then I was wasting. So I was even thinner and I had joint pains and so kind of head to toe. And my husband's mentor did a full functional medicine workup on me. And, uh, he said to me, you're not going to like the results. And I was like, Oh my God, do I have diabetes? Please don't tell me I have diabetes. And he's like, no, you have celiac. And I said, Oh, my dad has celiac, but no one ever tested me. And it was, it's familial. So if you're listening and so many of your relatives have celiac, get tested. It runs in families. It's genetic. I didn't know that. Yep. It's genetic. And so my brothers have celiac. I have celiac. My dad has celiac. Uh, I have two genes because I'm an overachiever genetically. I'm going to have two mm-hmm. genes for all the bad stuff. And so each of our children got one gene and the older two are very sensitive. And then we figured it out and we took, we didn't let anyone have gluten once we figured it out. Mm-hmm. So that was that part of the story. And then the mm-hmm. toxins part. So I've been working on gut health for like, well, I got diagnosed when I was 35 and now I'm 51. So 16 years. 
And what was really interesting is I don't generally eat in restaurants because I'm so sensitive to gluten. I was like the canary in the coal mine. You could tell if there was cross-contamination, I'd be able to tell you, except it wrecked me. So I never ate out. And then you fast forward to two and a half years ago, I got really into all the toxins work and figured out on myself, I've got metals and mold and environmental toxins. I didn't have glyphosate shockingly, but I have all wow. the other weird stuff. I, I got to stop pumping my gas because I had high levels of the gasoline additive in my body, MTBE. So I started on this journey to get rid of these toxins. And I really focused on mycotoxins and metals because those are the nastiest ones for me because my hair was falling out like even more. I had lost like half the hair on my head and I gained 10 pounds and had a rash on my face that would not quit. And I'm perimenopausal. So it's a really bad combination. So when I started to treat the mycotoxins, what was really cool was that within six months, my gut got less sensitive. So I don't ever eat gluten, but I was able to tolerate like going to a restaurant and I'm the president of national celiac association. And one of the things we talk about is how do we make this celiac less isolating for people? And one of the biggest things is eating out with people. It's so social and they couldn't do that for many years. And so just that being able to eat in a restaurant, be with people and not worry that I was going to be down for the count for, you know, six to 12 weeks has transformed my life. And it was all, you know, it started with eliminating gluten and then fixing the candida, but then the toxins was the like whipped cream and cherry Mm -hmm. because that really pushed it on to effective. So there's so much to unpack just within the first (laughs) couple of minutes here. When, When you mention in the beginning, you said I had terrible gas and you thought that everybody else just was holding it in better. When you say that, I know some people like they have egg farts, like sulfuric farts, like those deep, silent, miserable, like lingering. You you can like see it. That type room of room clearing, room, room clearing. clearing gas. That's like how mid- I would put it. Middle of the dance floor type of gas. What um, can you explain? What specifically like that? Okay, what were the smells like? What was your digestion like? And when you're talking about specifically microtoxins and and toxins. We're going to get into that a little bit, but what were some of the things that made you realize, okay, yes, celiac, but celiac is still even a blanket statement for all the small things going on beneath that. So talk Mm -hmm. to us about like, what is, what specifically were the farts? Like how often were you in pain, all of these things? And then into, um, we'll talk more about the heavy metals and the detoxification. Yeah. So we have to back up even more, Eliza. So when I was a kid, I actually remember lying in my bed at 15, doubled over in pain from gas pains. And you know, I'm a child of the seventies. So we didn't talk about this stuff and we didn't complain about it. And people were like, and I live in new England. So there's that sort of uh, suck it up, Puritan sort of buck up and get back to work. So my mom was like, Oh, you'll be fine. She was not enrolled that I was not feeling well. She was like, you're fine. But I remember lying in my bed, having these sharp shooting gas pains and lying on my right-hand side because I thought, okay, you know, the gas travels up across and down. So I'll lie on my right side. Maybe it'll come out and, and correlating that with oranges. So I didn't eat oranges for years. 
oranges were not the problem just for the record. Um, although whenever I ate them for years, I got, I did get a stomach ache. And once I got off the gluten, I was able to tolerate the oranges. So back to the gas, the gas just started to get kind of worse and worse, but I really, really remembered it when I was at tops applying to med school, because this woman I worked next to had an air freshener and I know it's so embarrassing. When I look back on this, I'm like, I really should have complained earlier because it wasn't normal. But, you know, when you live in it, you don't know it's not normal. So I didn't know that it wasn't normal to have stinky gas all the time, particularly after eating. But it wasn't really just after eating. It was all the time. So like kind of all day long. So she would pull out her air freshener and spray the air. And I was like, oh, that's me. That's oh, like no. for me that she's doing that, right? And I'm like, okay, thank God. I'm only here transiently. I'm on my way to med school and I'm not going to have to be embarrassed all the time. And then when you ask like, how did it smell? It didn't really smell sulfuric. It just smelled terrible and foul. Uh, yeah. Like ling- lingered, it lingered, uh-huh. stinky, terrible, foul, lingering, um, room clearing. That's how I languaged it, room clearing. Yeah, it's, like it's awful. Dense, mm-hmm. awful. Mm, yeah. Oh my gosh. Sticks with, sticks with you. <laughs> That's like something that everyone can think like they've been in the car with their dad on a road trip and they're like, he's like, they, my dad, yes. my dad specifically, he'll never say anything. He'll never be like, oh, excuse me. He'll just roll down the window. <laughs> he'll just roll down the window. And we're like, Jesus. Um, so I totally get that. I, we've all been there kind of, but you more potentially than others. So so, so many people might think, oh, well, that applies to me. You know, I have really stinky gas. What you mentioned, your hair was thinning. You mentioned all of these, these other side effects of celiac, where can you quickly go through maybe the difference between gluten sensitive, gluten intolerant to um, celiac? I love this question, Eliza. I'm so grateful you asked it. So think of it, don't think of celiac as an on-off switch, like a light switch. It's not like that. Think of it more like a spectrum. And at one end of the spectrum is someone who is not genetically sensitive to gluten and has no symptoms when they eat gluten. And at the other end of the spectrum is someone who's got celiac and has the gene. So you can't get celiac if you don't have one or both genetic mutations in genes that are called DQ2 or DQ8. You can't get celiac without the genes. Now, think of it also like diabetes. You don't just get diabetes overnight. You get to this place where someone says to you, oh, you're insulin resistant or you have metabolic syndrome or you have PCOS and you're on the path to diabetes. So it's similar for gluten. You can be sensitive to gluten and have no genes for gluten sensitivity. You'll never get celiac, but you can be non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Meaning when you eat it, you feel cruddy, Mm -hmm. crappy. Mm -hmm. You can (laughs) say shitty. That's fine. I said, can I say, are there any like rules around that? I, you know, I try to behave, but I do. You can say ball sack. You can say whatever you want. That's fine. So there's the people who don't have the genes, but are sensitive. Those are people who need to avoid gluten because they feel crappy when they eat it. And then there's the people who have the genes and are on their way. I call them CITs, celiacs in training. And they have the gene, but maybe they haven't developed, it's not bad enough. They haven't developed the autoimmune component of celiac, which causes the blunting of the villi in your gut and cause you to not absorb well. It can lead to osteoporosis. 
that's an autoimmune disease that's diagnosed on a blood test. But you can be anywhere on that spectrum from, hey, I don't feel great when I eat this to I have an autoimmune disease and I really don't feel well and has all these other consequences. You Mm -hmm. can be anywhere on that spectrum. And the more you eat it, the more it messes with you if you're sensitive. Of course. So it's like compounding as you go. And I have a question. This is personal because it's all about me with gluten. (laughs) It is. And with bread. So, so many people will villainize bread. And I, again, blanket statement, people are scared of carbs. And I think that when you're looking at it from a celiac or a gluten or gut health perspective, why is it other, other than the fermentation process and all those things, there are some types of bread that I eat and I'm like, flat tummy and I feel fine. I'm regular. No, it it could have been a glass of water. And then there's, you know, I could have one bite of non-gluten-free pasta. And then the next day I'm doubled over in pain. So is it, how big of a difference does the processing and the types of gluten that you're eating affect that? Because like, I, I feel like I notice if, if it's just maybe a red sauce or no sauce, maybe just nutritional yeast and, yet, and lemon, and it had, there was gluten in the pasta, but sourdough is totally fine. So what is that situation? And um, okay. what would you, so you do? You totally just brought up something else that I think really means to, needs to go in the mix. So, so think of it like a soup. So you just asked me basically two questions. Well, you asked one question, but there's something that you didn't ask that's behind that. So let me answer the, the nuts and bolts first. Sourdough, it's been fermented. So a lot of the gluten content is less. So people often can tolerate that better. Yeah. Pasta has not been fermented out, straight up gluten, and you're, and you're eating gluten straight up. The sourdough just has less content. The gluten in the United States has been grown to withstand drought, not fall over, um, be resistant to pests. And in doing so that's amplified how much gluten you get in it. So if you're getting European gluten that has not been hybridized to grow that way, you often get less gluten intrinsically, but then layer it on. So you mentioned like, if you're eating other things with it that are harder to digest. So nightshades can be hard for people to digest. Mm -hmm. Things with yeast in them can be hard for people to digest. Mm -hmm. Often if you have a gluten sensitivity, you also have a dairy sensitivity or a yeast issue. So you put those all together. And then maybe you're out on a date when you have this and you're like a little bit nervous. So you're stressed. That's the worst. your digestion gets shut down or you had a bad day or you didn't sleep as much. So you're fatigued. So you have to also put it in context with what's the rest of the soup going on? You know, where are you in your menstrual cycle? Did you get enough rest? Are you stressed? Are you pissed off? Are you enjoying yourself? All that other stuff influences how you digest your food. Do you have intrinsic issues, not intrinsic, but do you have issues with digestive enzymes and stomach acid? So if you have low stomach acid, you're not going to digest as well. And you're going to be like, oh, that gluten. Well, really it's because you're not digesting it. It's not the, it's any. Thank you for talking about the environmental impact. We talk about that often on the podcast where, and even with personal clients, I'll ask them, can you talk to me about what you're eating throughout the day, but how you're eating? Are you in front of a computer? Are you watching TV? Are you driving a car? You know, um, that's why I always tell people, I try not to eat on flights because my digestion, I'm a kind of nervous flyer. So as soon as I hop on a plane, my, I know that my digestion is not optimal. Um, So I'll just like sip water. And then as soon as I get off the plane, I get, I always have 
a terrible gas bubble after stomach. I always do a like a lymphatic drainage stomach massage after a flight yep. because my stomach just, it, it, nothing's working because I'm yep. stressed out and because I'm a little bit anxious on a plane. So thank you for mentioning that. I think that that's a huge contributor. Also, I think that we tend to, often we have the proclivity to overeat when we are maybe a little anxious or stressed or we eat quickly, right? Yeah. So um, that goes into it as well. Okay, quick hard pivot. For <laughs> for the toxins, I want to talk about that. I think that in the past three to five years, the word detox is has become less compelling because most people think that if they're having a salad or a green juice, they're detoxing, you know? And so there's this huge spectrum of how you can detox. And of course there's like emotional and mental and all these things. I want to talk about heavy metal detox and (laughs) what that may look like. First of all, can you explain what heavy metals are and where can they be found in our day-to-day? Because I think so many people think that it's just like iron and and things that they can see, like, do I have, you know, metal fillings in my teeth? Do I have plates in my elbow? You know, talk to us about common toxins and what is a heavy metal detox. Okay. So the three biggest heavy metals that we look for in our clinical practice, lead, mercury, and then we pay attention to thallium, but if you're eating organic vegetables from California, those are often high in thallium. So people are eating the green, you know, the the kale and the broccoli from California, they're getting it. I don't go too crazy over it. The ones that really tend to mess with people are lead and mercury. So lead there, there's a couple of ways you can get it. If you have, if you live in a house that was built before. So in 1978, they outlawed lead paint or lead in paint, I should say. And so if you live in a house that was built before 1978, the odds are good that there's lead paint in there. There was this transition period between like 1978, 1984, where you might've had lead paint still, cause it was still trickling down. So I, I always say, okay, before 1984, it's good to take stock of your house. Or if you lived in a house that was built before 1978 and you did construction on it, then you got exposed. So as the house settles, the dust gets kind of ground up and you absorb it, you breathe it, you eat it, you touch it. But then if you do construction on it, you're flat out releasing that lead into the air and you're breathing it in. If you have lead pipes, there are still places in the United States that have lead pipes. And so if you have lead pipes, you're getting exposed to lead. Uh, Sometimes groundwater can be contaminated. So people who have well water, I always say test your water and make sure there's nothing in there that you want to worry about from a metal standpoint. And then mercury is pretty straightforward. It's fillings. So if you have those amalgam fillings, those have mercury in them. And then fish, you know, everybody loves sushi and everybody loves tuna belly. And so the fatty, heavy fish, tuna, mahi-mahi, swordfish, Chilean sea bass, um, tile fish, the big fish are high in mercury. So because they've eaten all the littler fish with the smaller amounts and they've aggregated it and, and it's heavy, so it's hard for them to get rid of and it's hard for you to get rid of. So mm-hmm. we've pretty much in our house, like when we make sushi, we don't, we don't get the tuna. We yeah, use salmon or yeah. the lighter fish. Got it. Got it. So we're a huge fan of like 
anchovies and small little cold water fish. We love salmon. And I think that that's super important to talk about as far as foods. And then what happens during a heavy metal detox? Oh, well, (laughs) are we like pooping out nuggets of, of silver? (laughs) No, no, you won't glow. If it's done right, it's generally a gentle and subtle process meaning you should not feel like a truck ran over you for the entire length of it. Uh, Absolutely. For the first, there are times when it's going to feel really challenging. So for example, my first protocol, I was so psyched. My, my lead level was 12. My mercury was nine. I was like, I'm going to be on one protocol for three months and I'm going to get rid of this because it's just a small amount to get it under eight, which is where we treat. What is the highest it can be? (laughs) The highest we've ever seen is about 160 um, for mercury. Can we, can you quickly talk about what symptoms of a hundred would be? So, so let, so here's the thing. You can have symptoms at eight. You can have symptoms that you can have symptoms at any number. And the thing that you want to remember is if you're a shitty detoxer, you're going to not necessarily show what's actually present until you've done multiple rounds to, to crank on and turn on and, and, and help your detox systems. So you won't see it. So when I first did my levels, first time I did it years and years ago, my lead was nine. And I was like, Oh, I don't need to treat that. Whatever. I lead a healthy lifestyle. Little did I know that that was not my real level. My level was much higher, but because I'm a shitty detoxer, remember, I didn't tell you this. I have two MTHFR genes. So that impairs detox plus the celiac. So I should have treated my lead a long time ago, but not knowing that I was like, Oh, it's not that high. So you can have symptoms at any part. You can have hair loss. You can have difficulty losing weight, particularly for women. That's really challenging because what happens is your body knows this is toxic. It's going to store it. Metals get stored in your bones and your fat. And so if you can't get rid of it properly, you're, and you have too much body burden, women will say, well, why can't I lose any weight? It's because there's toxins in your fat that are preventing you from losing any weight. You got to get rid of the toxins and then focus on the weight. Mm, okay. So you can have brain fog, hair loss, acne. You can have, um, it's a pro-inflammatory state. So it can lead to issues with heart health. It can lead to issues with cholesterol. It can lead to gut issues menstrual and kind of any comer. Yeah. Um, I don't usually look to toxins first for menstrual issues, but if I've done everything and they're still having problems and we go up to toxins because it's everything. So your first protocol, you mentioned your very first protocol ever. What was that like? Oh, so the, the, the way we approach it is a graduated program over 12 weeks. And I started the program and I was exhausted and it lasted for about six weeks of the program. And six weeks in, I said to my husband, my medals must be gone because I feel great. And I finished, but I said, I'll finish the program just to be a good doobie. So I can tell my patients, like I've done what they're doing and I know how it is. So I finished the program and I retest and my medals are three times as high as they were. (laughs) And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. I thought they were gone. And then I did another protocol and they were twice as high. And now I'm pissed, right? I'm like, seriously, I've on, I've, I've now done six months of this and I'm still having medals. And um, how I felt personally was exhausted. And that's like the biggest thing people notice. You can also have some gut irritability because you were getting this out through having you sweat. So your skin, 
pooping it out and peeing it out. So there's a lot of different ways we're looking at getting it out of you. And so I never had any gut irritability, but I know people do have gut irritability and fatigue. Those are the biggest things. Sometimes a little bit of nausea, sometimes a little headache. Those usually pass. Okay. I was curious about that. So this is obviously a just a plug of a question. Who, sh- who should be getting tested? At what age? Is it safe for pregnant women? Is it safe for, for everyone? Like, should, should babies be doing it just to see their baseline? What, what, who should be getting tested? I love that question. So first thing that you mentioned, we have to be really clear. We never, ever, ever do detox in pregnancy or nursing. They don't go together. If you, so if you're imminently going to get pregnant, go get pregnant. Like it's a blessing. It's an amazing thing. Uh, when you nurse, you do detox and get rid of your toxins into the breast milk. So that is enough for the babies. Don't do anything more on top of that. I think anyone who feels, how do I language this? I, I think that sometimes people really need things to be bad enough. So they need to be really suffering before they're going to intervene. So if that's how you feel, then don't get tested until things are bad enough because it wouldn't match your philosophy. If you're someone who says, I really want to optimize my health, I really want to live a long time and I want to get better every decade, then you should test as early as you have the cognizance to test. So I test, I I test 18 year olds if they're sick. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't test a baby because unless they're super sick, they don't have any control over it. And you're not going to give a baby the things we do. You know, you're not going to put a baby in a sauna. You're not going to give the baby these supplements. So for babies, what you want to focus on is optimizing their gut, keeping their foods great, having them have good habits with sleep and, and not being emotionally toxic with them. Right. That's like, Mm -hmm. that's all they need. And then, but I mean, we've had kids, so I don't test kids only because I don't see them. I see women only, but my partner sees kids and he's tested kids as young as five. And some of them are positive, especially in light of if they have pandas or pans or autism, these are kids who need to be tested. So I would say people who are sick in some way for children, anyone who's got something that's lingering, you know, if you have a headache once a year, it goes away. Who cares? You don't have toxins. If your body feels optimal and you are literally at the peak of your health and and you're a machine, you probably don't need to be tested. Mm -hmm. But those are like 2% of the population, right? All the rest of us, we're suboptimal. So if you feel like, oh, I'm suboptimal, you should test. And the earlier, the better, because once you can get on a path of getting rid of it, which is the intense phase, but then you maintain it so that you don't go down the pathway that your grandparents and parents went down. It's like, it's like a new trajectory for health. As we have a conversation all about quality ingredients and detoxifying our body, now is the perfect time to introduce our show sponsor today, Organifi. You've heard me discuss them before, and you know how much I absolutely love and trust this brand. So Organifi is a powerful superfood supplementation company, and what they do is they provide high-quality ingredients for people who are looking to elevate and optimize their health, and especially when you're looking into plant-dominant 
dominant lifestyles. So you want to look at their plant-based proteins and especially their greens powder. So what I like to do with the greens powder is actually, I like to take it when I travel. I like to take it before my coffee so that I know that I'm filling in a ton of those nutritional gaps. It has potent antioxidants, ashwagandha, it's got matcha, and it's got no caffeine in it. However, it is highly, highly antioxidant rich, which means it's great for your skin. It's great for your digestion. It's great for overall detoxification. I am obsessed. So if you have not already checked out Organifi, I don't know what you're doing, but they're actually running an offer right now. It's a little bit more than the code that I normally offer you. So right now for a limited time, you can get 25% off plus free shipping on any order over $100. All you have to do is use the code HTH at checkout. And again, highly recommend checking out their probiotics. I always travel with them, the greens powder, and even their chocolate powder. I'm obsessed with it. I like to use it as a little nightcap for my sweet tooth at the end of the night, especially if I'm you know, around that time of the month, it's the best. But make sure you're checking it out. Get 25% off plus free shipping on orders over $100. This is a limited time offer. And then it goes back to 20% off. So fully take advantage of it. Use the code HTH at checkout. Again, that's Organifi.com slash HTH and get 25% off plus free shippings on over on orders over $100. All right, let's get back to the episode. So are these protocols, are they intravenous? Are they pills? Is it a different protocol? Are you saying, okay, on Monday, you're going to go to the sauna. On Tuesday, you're going to go to an ice bath. And on Wednesday, you're going to drink four gallons of water. So you pee. What is, <laughs> what is a protocol like? So the, the first protocol, it, it, we try to make it more consistent because the varying things makes people nuts. So we tend to recommend do it Monday through Friday, take the weekend off and the first time you do it, we want to make sure you feel good. So you start doing things four times a day, and then it graduates through the program to six times a day. And that's just the baseline program. Make sure you tolerate it. And that includes things like glutathione and liposomic vitamin, uh, liposomal vitamin C, Love both it. of those liposomal. It includes silicone, which is a binder. It includes replacement nutrients and minerals, and it includes EDTA, which is another metals binder. So you put those all together and you uh, do them throughout the day and then graduate the amount. The next time you do the program, you, you squish it up a little bit because you don't need to do months one and two. You already tolerated those levels. So you go right to month three, but do that for eight weeks. Um, so you do the higher level for eight weeks. And then say I do your level, you know, I had a patient who's her mercury just came back at a hundred, hundred. And I was like, it's not the highest I've ever seen, but that's really freaking high. So we need to a do an overhaul. And so there's oral binders that you can take. That's DMSA. That's prescription. You absolutely need to work with a functional medicine provider for this. And then I would add that in. And then for someone like that, who's really high, or for someone who says, I need this out because I want to conceive in six months, I say, okay, well, let's get some IVs in you then. And that's um, okay. EDTA and DMPS. So those are, those are specific metals binders. So you can get IV therapy, but you know, it's sort of a balance of cost versus time because mm -hmm. they get, you know, it, it, it raises the cost, although it decreases the time. It depends so what's you mentioned, on. you mentioned your levels were around nine. So it wasn't a high concern level. And then mm -hmm. you mentioned meeting with a woman and her levels were at 100. Yeah. Is it safe to assume that 
almost anyone could have high levels. You just don't know until you start feeling symptoms or you get tested. Like, yeah. do some people store them more than others without knowing it? Do some people, or is it a co- direct reflection of lifestyle? So this person is eating tuna sashimi four days a week and like eating light bulbs basically. So what, (laughs) what does a lifestyle of 100 look like, or is it completely, you know, selective of by random? I think it's, it's a little bit of both, right? So it's some about your soup and how good of a detox you are and what kind of light, you know, if you're super stressing, you don't sleep, you're going to be a crappy detoxer because your body's just surviving. It's not focusing. I call detox a higher order behavior because it doesn't occur when you're worried about survival. Survival comes first and then comes detox. Mm -hmm. So survival, then thrival. That's how I say it. But detox is a thrival behavior. And so it's only going to occur when your system, the foundation is intact. So someone who's super stressed and not eating well and not sleeping and traveling all over and maybe in a toxic relationship they can eat less toxins, but have a worse effect than someone who has a super easy lifestyle and, you know, exercises every day and sleeps 10 hours a night. They're going to have a lot more resilience than someone else. So Mm -hmm. it comes down to your level. I like the, I like the differentiation between, um, primal and thrimal or thriving, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm Um, and this is crazy. Normally it's more of a, convo back and forth, but I am so fascinated by this, that I'm just like powering through questions and I love it. You're being a champion. You're like, this is literally my job. Okay. So two questions from top to bottom, what are we preventing? Are we preventing by doing a heavy metal detox? Are we setting ourselves up for less risk of cancer, less risk for stroke, heart attack, chronic diseases? What specifically have you found in research to be the biggest thing that we're preventing? Yes. To all of the above. Like, so it's, so I always say to people, it's really hard to study yourself because if you're going to avert a problem, you won't know that you averted it. So what you have to look at is just population data. And when you can remove inflammatory events because cancer and diabetes and diabetes and Alzheimer's Alzheimer's is like diabetes type three now. So if you can remove inflammation from people and it's not only heavy metal detox, I really want to make sure it's, it's part of a whole stable of care, right? So the whole goal is lead a really healthy lifestyle and make sure that you get your toxins out because it doesn't exist in a vacuum of just get rid of, like you can get rid of your toxins, but abuse yourself and it's kind of not going to make a difference, right? It's like going to the gym, but you're not sleeping, you're not drinking water and you're not pooping and you're not eating healthy. So cool. Right. So it doesn't exist in a vacuum. And so I don't know that you can pull the toxins out specifically because it all goes along with, you're going to eat well, sleep right, be healthy emotionally, move your body and get rid of your toxins Within that, yes, those, those people have less diabetes and heart disease and cancer and Alzheimer's because- Mm -hmm. Uh, there are multiple causes of Alzheimer's. It's not one cause, but we're removing toxins is huge. Mm-hmm. Well, in our, in, in the home, other than certain fishes and gasoline and things like that, that we might think of right off the bat, do yeah. you know of any household products or 
very common products that we're using that we could remove throughout our home. If we just want to get started, maybe we can't do a full protocol right now, but what are some things that we can do to implement right away? I love this question, Eliza, because so first off, I never recommend people do a whole overhaul all at once. It's A, expensive, B, stressful, C, overwhelming. uh, And there's so many, there's so many products we use. So what I would say is the things that we use the most. So for women, personal care is different than home care. So personal care, I would say, look at what you're using for your makeup and level up. So clean brands, uh, go to ewg.org or think, think dirty. Those are two apps that people can use to look at is what I'm using clean. And if it's not, as soon as it runs out, level up to something that is clean. So kind of go one by one, as opposed to just don't throw your whole makeup counter out. If, especially it's the holidays. If you just got a huge Sephora gift, don't throw it out. Just when you're done, level up. Okay. 80, 20. Mm -hmm. So pick, pick a big battle. So something huge that you could get rid of tomorrow would be bleach. Like I, I legit love the smell of, of bleached towels. I love that smell. Do you know how freaking toxic bleach is? It's really bad for you. Get rid of your bleach. A it's bad for you. It's bad for the water supply. It's, it's really bad. So get rid of that because it's perchlorate. It's nasty. Okay. So that would be one simple thing. And Uh, I don't know that we can necessarily do justice to like how to clean your house, but there's so many products that you can use. Aspen clean is what we use in our house. But again, we Aspen a as like the skiers Aspen. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Okay. So we use that in our, in like in our house and then, but I would recommend going to EWG. There's so many different brands that are now cleaning up their act. And so there's a lot of stuff you can use. Okay. Okay. So get rid of the bleach would be one like, today, get rid of your bleach. Cause it's really nasty for you. And I love the smell. Honestly, mm-hmm. I, I totally feel everyone's pain when I see get rid of the bleach. Cause I was like, Oh, I love that. But see, I've always hated it. And I, <laughs> every time I look at it, every time I see it, I'm like, we have to know that we can't, we shouldn't use that. Like I, I always look at it and I, I never think, okay. Yeah. But we love it. I always just am like, don't we know that this is a terrible, but I think that that was just Based no, on it's up. like a smell from my childhood, you know, that, mm-hmm. which is probably why I was so toxic. Um, and then, so simple things level up whenever you're running out to the next, like something great, eliminate the bleach, change over your cleaning products to be clean. Also, when you run out, okay, and then don't eat the heavy metal fish. Those would be like my top three. What can you do today that's sort of low hanging? Mm-hmm. Right? I love that. And that's what we want. And it's, it's as it's if everything else falls into the same principles where you don't need to, if you want to lose weight, you don't need to wake up two hours early and um, spend two hours in the gym and eat a thousand calories a day. Nobody needs this intense overhaul. It's those incremental differences. So I think that that's huge. Just the way it can be compounding to gain toxins. It can be compounding to prevent that exposure and that uptake. I think that was, I just, I love that so much. With all of these amazing detoxification protocols and your history, I know that you and your husband have have built a full business on this. You just wrote a book. So talk to us a little bit about what you see in the future of supplements, what you see happening in your practice. What do you who do you think is really reinventing this detoxification wheel? Well, we are. I mean, to, that's I mean. <laughs> 
And so we wrote the book, Dirty Girl, Ditch the Toxins, Look Great and Feel Freaking Amazing because I did all this testing and I looked at my husband and I said, oh, I'm such a dirty girl. And then I said, oh, that's the book we got to write. Because if I'm the poster child for healthy living, what does everyone else have? And so, um, Love so that. anyone who's in the functional medicine space is really in on detox, I would hope. Uh, I know that's that's a huge focus for our practice. And I don't mean detox like, oh, let's go on a juice fast. Although that's something that we have people do occasionally. Um, always with the seasons, like when it's getting warmer uh, or in the warm, I don't recommend that in the winter because it's just out of sync with the earth. But um, so anyone in the functional medicine space is in on detox and then supplements. So things that help with detox. So cheap stuff, NAC, alpha lipoic acid, those are the precursors for glutathione. So those are going to help your liver, making sure you get your omegas. And I mean, some of this stuff isn't even supplement based. It's just, what are you going to eat? Making sure you get flax or omegas, making sure that you get something that helps phase two in your liver meets the best source, but there's a lot of people who are vegetarian or vegan. If you're vegetarian and you eat eggs or dairy, you're going to get uh, some protein that way, but really animal protein is, is the best way. So eggs, I would say is the, if you're going to be a vegetarian and eat eggs, that's a great way mm -hmm. to get the protein too, that okay. helps phase two in the liver and that helps you detox. And then, I mean, our practice is really geared for all about how do you level up? Our philosophy is that you're meant to be vital, vibrant, healthy, alive, interested in, and able to perform intimacy until you're at least a hundred. And so love what, that. Like, yeah, me too. I'm all about, and my kids are like, why do you do all this stuff? I said, cause I'm not going to be old and decrepit and be a burden on you. Uh, like, because your father and I have a very healthy sex life, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> right? They're like, I have teenagers. So they're like, la, 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 I'm not listening. All my mom does is talk about poop and sex and I can't do it anymore. <laughs> right. Right. I'm a gynecologist and I can't talk to my kids about sex, but wait, can we let's, let's discuss that. So, okay. Sure. I think this has been my experience. I have had I, I want to be very vocal in the fact that I believe that I have had such amazing gynecological experiences. I have loved my past too. I feel very lucky and they, they come from a very holistic approach, but they're mm -hmm. also, it's a, it's a good, it's a good mixture. So I feel like a lot of women who, and men who go into their general practitioner, they go in for a checkup. They're like, yeah, I feel really tired or my hair is thinning. You know, they have all of these symptoms that we were just discussing, but they get dismissed or their doctor is like, okay, I'm going to put you on this birth control pill. It will help manage the systems or the symptoms, or I will put you on an antidepressant or an anti-inflammatory or take a baby aspirin. And I think that we're coming to a place where people are bridging that gap a little bit more, hopefully, or they're not just taking blanket advice from, um, just one holistic or one practitioner what are some things that you're seeing? If you would be willing to speak candidly about this, what are some things that you would, that you see now in medicine that you wish that you could change with diagnoses and blanket things like that? Oh, I love this question. Okay. Eliza. So here's the thing. You wouldn't go to the car wash to get your hair, hair done. It doesn't make any sense. Right. But what we're asking. So I think what we want to do is do this 30 second history of medicine where 
allopathic medicine in the United States is amazing for surgical care, emergency care, obstetrical care. That, that would be the tripod I would say it's amazing for. And as the, the pharmaceutical groups started to really get more popular and do more work, they developed medicines to treat the symptoms of things that we identify as inflammatory diseases. And medicine essentially pivoted to say, okay, well, we don't really have time to deal with the root cause. Let's deal with the symptom by X and Y medicine. And medicine for medicine. Exactly. Medicine, medicine for medicine. So, so we're really excellent at treating the symptoms of something. And we're excellent at those three tripod behaviors, but those don't get to the root cause of the issue. And so what I would love to see is go to the right provider for what you want to do. If like, I'm going to a traditional gynecologist on Friday because I need I need an exam, but I'm not going to go to her for my functional medicine work. She is truly like my boobs and my vagina. Like that's yeah. why I'm going to her. I'm, I'm not going to get yeah. I'm not going to get like an acupuncturist to put an IUD inside me. Yeah, exactly. So you want to go to the right provider for the right thing. And so if you're so I have a family member with high blood pressure, diabetes. And osteoporosis. And they said to me, well, I'm, my medicines are well treating me. So I don't really have those things. I was like, no, you do. You're just on medicine and it masks it. So that person's not really interested in getting to the underlying cause of it. But if you want to say, okay, what's really the problem, let's really treat that problem. Then allopathic medicine, isn't the right venue. It's like going to the car wash to get your hair washed. doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense. So you want to pick the right provider. So that would be the kind you go, okay, I need a functional medicine provider. Mm-hmm. Integrative medicine is great. It's just also not necessarily getting you the root cause analysis. It's getting you all your alternative providers under one roof. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, but it may not get you where you really want to go. Yeah, It like so you- puts you, it puts you on the map, but you still have to figure out where to go. Exactly. So that's why I keep saying, go to a functional medicine provider and do the testing, figure out the problem. And I mean, the ultimate goal would be get off all your medicines, fix the problem, get off the medicines. Yeah. What, um, I want to put a scenario out there because I, a lot of my friends, our parents and our family members or our, our nuclear family might be around the age of 60 to 65, maybe late fifties, early sixties. And it can be challenging because there's been this whole shift in medicine and this introduction of more mainstream holistic practices, which I am so grateful for always. But I know that the generation preceding us and even the generation preceding that one, they might not be as open to these types of practices. So I want to put a scenario out there, like a lot of my friends and my family is struggling with high blood pressure, high cholesterol issues. Let's just say memory problems. So just overarching heart brain, but they're going to trust their primary care. They're going to trust their doctor. It's the same doctor they've been seeing for 40 years how would you go about having a conversation with someone? It's let's say it's your dad and you're just like, dad, I love this person so much. And I know that it's not too late for you to try and live a more 
profound life and enjoy it. How would you go about having a conversation with someone in a really approachable way to not get them to change or see, but, you know, put it on the map for them? So I think it really depends if someone's open or not. Mm-hmm. You legit cannot open a closed mind. Mm-hmm. And so, so you first have to ascertain, are they open to any other possibility other than what they are doing? And as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, one thing that might make a difference for people is to ask them to think back, what, what was their life like when they were 12 to 15 years old? Because technology has come such a long way. Life was very different. You know, my kids can't believe I didn't have a cell phone or a computer growing up. I was like, yeah, no, I didn't have that. So the first question is, what was it like then? And can you see the evolution of how things have happened in those years? And would you ever want to live how you lived then? And if the answer is no, then you have an opening to say, okay, well, just as our lives have evolved, so has the ability to get people healthy evolved. And the idea of you getting sicker and sicker is heartbreaking to me. And I would not want that for anyone, much less someone I love as much as you. Would there be any possibility that you'd consider doing this workup or at least exploring it because it's got some great results on curing exactly the stuff you're working with? And, and it might not be your thing, but on the other hand, you might find you really like it and you could feel better. Would you be open to that? And, and then the answer is either yes or no. That is such a great perspective of, like you mentioned earlier about a lifestyle, like these shifts are not in a vacuum and that evolution is not in a vacuum. We didn't just evolve technologically. We evolved in medicine, we involved in finance and investing and everything. So the world is totally different. So therefore people are totally different in strategies. And that is, I love that perspective so much. And I know of a few people that I really hope are listening to this. Um, that is really <laughs> beautiful. And I love the way you put that. Wait, no, wait. Okay. So if you're listening to Eliza's podcast and you're related to her or you know her, she's talking to you. She loves you (laughs) or your, or your husband or your brother, hypothetically speaking. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And, and even just people who are struggling deeply with anxiety, it doesn't hurt to test your heavy metals and text your toxins. Like look at the world we live in. It's so great, but they, I mean, obviously parts of it are going up in flames, but you know, (laughs) but overall we live with abundance. And I, I think that that's just something to remember, but Before we leave, I would love to make sure that a couple people get your new book, Dirty Girl. I know it's on Amazon and I noticed it was flagged as a bestseller. Congratulations. Thank you. So um, I would love to do a little giveaway if you'd be open to it. Oh, I'd love that. Um, so if you want to win a copy of dirty girl by Wendy, I've mispronounced your name a couple of times. Is it just Turnbow? It's Trubo. Trubo. I see. I always, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So if you want to win a copy, all you need to do is head on to iTunes and leave a review for the podcast. Let us know your favorite part of this and we'll send you over a book. But so where can people find you and pimp yourself out as other podcasters would say? Okay. So our website is fivejourneys.com. I do have Instagram, even though I'm not in the right generation, but it's fledgling. So Wendy Trubo is my 
Instagram. And I also have a company Instagram. They post a lot more than I do. I did post my cat, by the way. Um, <laughs> and our Instagram for the company is Five Journeys Health. And then our Facebook is also Five Journeys and Five Journeys Health. And then also, I don't think I told you, Eliza, that any of your listeners, if they would like a copy of the, we have a detox guide that helps you clean up your life. And we normally, we spend hours sort of putting together all of the, all of the things to do to clean up your, your home and your beauty and your furniture and your clothing and blah, blah, blah. So that normally retails for $40, but we'd love to give it to your listeners for free. So if they want to go to uh, fivejourneys.com forward slash promo, they can also have a free copy of that as a gift. Oh my gosh. I'm writing this and all of these direct links will be in the show notes. So if you, wherever you're listening, you can find show notes. If you're on Spotify, just click on the little more or info or anything like that. Someone's whispering through my window. Um, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. If you could leave our audience with your favorite resource that you use on a daily basis, whether it's that water bottle, whether it is a lotion or like a clean beauty product or a podcast, what would you recommend to someone who's just wanting to get more healthy? I would say so as a female, I just discovered beauty counter makeup, which is EWG certified. And I swear I look younger, which is always important to me, right? Or at least to look my best. Yes. And then I do use EWG.org all the time to look at is something clean or not clean. Great. And then, then the other thing is don't sweat the small stuff. I love that. And truly you have no pores. You look so young and so youthful and wow. Thanks well beauty done. counter. <laughs> Plug. Please sponsor this podcast. Um, well, thank you so much. Congratulations on five journeys, the podcast for you. Um, and I'll put all of this in the show notes and hopefully we'll have you on again sometime. This was so much knowledge, so much, so many takeaways. So thank my you pleasure. so much. Really my pleasure, Liza. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. I know you loved that interview with Wendy Trubo. If you have questions for her, make sure to check out her practice at fivejourneys.com. And again, make sure you leave us five stars on iTunes. And if you write a review, you will get a copy of the book. So make sure to take a screenshot, send it over to my Instagram at Hotter Than Health podcast. And I look forward to hearing from you all and how you liked the episode and can't wait to talk to you all next week.